Is your life chaotic, busy, stressed? Are you discouraged, frenzied, or in overdrive? Hey, keep calm and carry on. We have a few ideas for how we can help each other. My name is Blair. I'm glad you're here at Waypoint. I do some of the teaching around here. Did you uh, notice during the service a few times where the screen went blue and then black and then came back on? That's because our software keeps crashing. It did it six times in the last service. We're hoping you don't set a record um, because we're actually going to run some videos today and they're kind of important. And so what I've committed to do is act them out. If it crashes, this could be really bad for you. Um, so I would be praying that the software goes all the way through and does just fine. We started with a really peppy song. It's kind of a song that you could sing to yourself about encouraging yourself not to give up, don't give up. Um, keep going, right? That sort of thing. I was uh, talking to a friend this weekend. He ran a 10K last year, and he said he ended up running kind of the same pace next to a lady who was talking to herself at key times during the race. They'd come to a hill, and she'd go, you can make it, you can make it, you train for this, you can do it, keep going. And he said he went to her after the race and said, that was some great self-talk. It was actually helpful for me, right? That, that was great that you did that. And it's that kind of stuff where it's about stamina, Maybe you have it and you just need to remember that you can do it. Or maybe you're convincing yourself that you can do this, you can keep going. But if you listen, listen carefully in that song, there was a second layer. It wasn't just that you had stamina, you had stamina so that you could do something great. In that song, it said you could be the greatest. Have you guys been watching the Olympics? Have you seen the races that have ended with a hundredth of a second or even a thousandth of a second that separate people? The work that those people have to do, it's about stamina, right? They go back and they keep training over and over, working hard, working hard, so that they have a shot at being great. Well, that's, that um, song fits exactly where we're going with this series. We started um, Keep Calm and Carry On a couple weeks ago with this idea. Lots of things come into our lives that stir us up, can put us off course, and if we could do something for each other that would allow us to stay calm so that we could carry on, that would be fantastic. And so we've been looking the last few weeks. We looked at support, we looked at honoring, and we've looked at things that you can do for each other, which is what this series is about. This isn't necessarily about you. It's about how you can build into others. And uh, after the first week, I was, I was talking with a guy we just got done talking about support, and I know he was joking around. We were laughing about it, messing around about it, but he said, man, Blair, I'm looking forward to the week that you talk about tough love because that's what I'm good at, <laughs> right? And, and we were laughing about how, you know, he liked to set people straight and all that sort of stuff, and in the back of my mind, although we were messing around, I thought, I bet you there's a lot of people who are serious about that, not just joking around. Because our culture is kind of wired for the tough love kind of idea of things. We're a culture now who loves to share our opinion. And we, and we want our opinion to be heard. And companies know it. And so they, now they provide you outlets where you can, whether you should or not, share your opinion. Right? So post on Facebook. There's Twitter. There's Yelp. There, um, you, on Amazon, like on any place that you buy something, you can put a review now, and sometimes those are helpful, and sometimes they're not, because there's another element that seems to be feeding this. 
You post something, but you want eyes on it. You want attention on it, and sometimes you make it really extreme to get that. Uh, um, I, I know we care about what we post, like we want likes, we want views, all that sort of thing, because I've been there. Uh, 2016, Waypoint took a group of people over to Israel for a trip. On one of the days, we were in Jerusalem walking around, and, and we got hungry for pizza, but we were in the, t- the tourism part, and the pizza was expensive, and it looked terrible. So we found a local, and we said, hey, can you point us to a great pizza place? And they said, yeah, and it kind of gave us directions. 15 minutes later, we're, we're out in the middle of the city somewhere, off the tourist trap, and we go into this little hole in the wall, and we sat down, and it was great. They, they talked to us. It was really engaging. The food was excellent. We just had, it was a really nice kind of oasis moment for us. And so I decided I would write a review. And I got on TripAdvisor, and I looked up the company, and I wrote a little review. And pretty soon, I started getting emails from TripAdvisor. Hey, you're getting lots of views you should write some more reviews for us. And I was like, no, that's your job, right? I'm not doing that sort of thing. But I kept track of it. There's the company, P2. It's in Jerusalem. If you go and look it up on TripAdvisor, right now, my post is the first one that you'll see. (laughs) Why do I know that? Because we care, right? And because we care... Sometimes we add spice to what we post. And we just tell us, you know, tell ourselves, tell others, we're just telling the truth. But you want eyes, you want attention, you want those. And so our tough love in our culture has often translated into just mean. It's just mean. It's not helping anybody, it's not moving anybody along. But here's the problem sometimes support isn't enough. Sometimes honoring doesn't get the job done. Sometimes there's a moment where you have to speak. And and what you choose to speak or say into somebody's life could make a big difference. And the word I want to use to describe that this today could could be really positive for you or it could have a negative impact depending on your experience with it. I, I think it's an important concept that you get to do with those around you, and it's this word. Coaching. Coaching. Now, I, I want to make sure we understand what I say, or what I mean when I say coaching, and I actually wrote down a few things that, that it's not. It's not setting people straight. We have this idea that it's the person who yells loud enough and gets people to do what they want that's actually getting some coaching done. We're talking about doing stuff with each other's lives, talking about life kind of things that are happening, and you setting them straight isn't necessarily going to be helpful. Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm thinking. You hand out wisdom to somebody. You, you give them some advice that's helpful. You, you give them some courage or confidence by what you've said to them. And because of that, it helps them along. I wrote down another thing that it's not. It's not a solution. It's not simply going, I've waited all of this time to talk, and now I'm going to give you a solution, and you're just going to listen to it, and everything's going to be okay. Good coaches understand that when you decide to give directions and guidance to somebody, what you're speaking into is a person who's probably got habits and attitudes that they've built for a period of time that will take a while to undo. 
And so when you speak into that as a coach, you, you know you're in it for the long term and you're working with them. And so it is speaking the truth. But there are ways to do this that matter. Because here's, here's the reality. You could coach almost anybody. You, you could be coaching somebody at work that, that needs your help, that needs your guidance. You could be coaching somebody in a, in a sport. You could be co- coaching your own kid. You could coach somebody else's kid. You, you have the ability to do that sort of thing. It's even possible to coach your own spouse, but listen carefully. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've tried like I have, right? Yeah. If you don't listen carefully to the three keys that I give you, that will not go well, right? It'll come across wrong, and, and all kinds of bad things will happen. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing. You're not going to find the word coach or coaching in the scriptures. I'm convinced I could take you to Paul's life, to Jesus' life, to Moses' life, and show you where they were coaching, where they actually kind of made this sort of thing happen. But what I can do, even though I can't find the word, is I can take you to a section of scripture where I think they describe it beautifully. And, and so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do that. Um, if you have a Bible or a cell phone app, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but, we, but we've come upon this passage where he's gonna describe something that we're supposed to do for each other. I'm gonna call it coaching. He's gonna call it something else, but I think you'll get the concept. And then once we understand that this is something that God values, we're gonna try to figure out how to do that effectively in each other's lives. So in um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, he says this. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we um, possess. Oh, the hope we profess. Now here's the thing. Does that sound like stamina to you? Right? It does to me. I want you to hold unswerved, like find a way to hold on to hope. Find a way to keep carrying on through this. And then he starts giving you some hints as to how to do that. We want people to have stamina. Okay, what do we do? Well, let us consider how we may, this is verse 24, spur one another on. And if you read that verse, and you're, like, you're um, get charged up because you're kind of in line with the way our culture thinks about this, you just went, yes, I'd love to spur on some people, right? I've got some people in mind. What, and it sounds pretty aggressive. This is gonna work out for me. And if you go and you read other translations, the most common word used here is provoke. I, I don't know, when I read that, I thought, Thank you, Jesus. I think provoking is a spiritual gift of mine, and I just had it confirmed, right? So if you're with me, you're like, finally, we're getting somewhere. I can give the truth, and I can provoke. Yes, you can. But watch the outcome. This is what you're trying to spur on. It says, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Maybe the best word that they could have used to translate here would have been the word incite. When was the last time you incited something in your family that went well? 
When was the last time something got incited at work that went well? But what's being written about here is a really positive view of these words. You're trying to provoke somebody to greatness, to love and good deeds so that they'll actually live in a way that honors God. And this becomes kind of this thing that we can do for each other because we get to provoke. Well, how how does that happen? It says here um, in verse 25, not giving up meeting together. It's pretty valuable for you to actually be in relationships for this to work. You have to be connected somehow for somebody to be able to provoke you effectively. And he says, as some have gone about the habit of doing, some people have not met with each other. And then he says this, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Whatever provoking is, whatever spurring each other on is, whatever inciting is, it's meant to be an encouraging element in our lives and that's why I'm gonna call it coaching. It's meant to be this thing that finds a way to build stamina in people who feel defeated and allows them to carry on and love and do good that honors God. And you have the ability to do that for each other. Now here's what we're gonna do. I I wanna give you three keys. Uh, There's probably a whole lot more these are the ones we have time for, but here's what I've done. I went online and I found um, some coaching clips. And, and we're gonna show you the coaching clips and then I'm gonna suggest a different way to think about coaching that allows us to follow what we find here in Hebrews. Okay, so that's where we're going and, um, and we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that I don't have to act any of these out. All right, here we go. The score is close as it is. The game is really in their hands. How they coach their players just might make the difference between which team of kids wins or loses. Sit down, sit down, sit down. How did the Spurs win the championship? My plan is Ball move. Sit down. We are gonna win this game. Do you understand? You pass it to him because you can't shoot. You shoot very well. Do you understand? I need man-to-man coverage. Do you understand? I want. No. Listen. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. I'm the coach, you listen, I don't wanna hear anything out of you. Do you understand, you listen to my instructions. This was off a show called Coaching Bad. I, uh, they took a whole group of coaches who had been fired, lost their jobs, or were in jeopardy of losing their job because of their demeanor or behavior, and um, they put them in some settings where uh, they were coaching them. And so one of the things they did was they had them coach some little kids, and then they brought them down, and they said, what did you just do? And what you saw um, her just do right there is a classic coaching mistake. Because what happens is you've waited, you've been supportive, you've heard everything that's going on, and now it's time for you to talk. And so often what we come at it this with is, it's now my time to talk, you listen, you don't talk, it's my turn. And you shut them off, and you miss out on what they have to say. Uh, some of you know this, some of you don't. For uh, five years or so, I coached volleyball over at the high school. And um, one of the things that I discovered, I, I discovered this later on in the process, was that um, I, I figured out how I could teach skills. Um, but what I was having trouble with 
um, were other things. And when I finally started listening to the feedback that I was being given as I coached, I actually got to the real problems. Um, I would coach a skill, and they would start giving me feedback, and all of a sudden, I figured out they had doubt in their ability to pull it off. They didn't have confidence in what they were doing. They, they wondered if they should even keep going or if they had the ability to learn it. You, you, uh, the mind stuff that went on was incredible. Can I just tell you, the same thing happens in every other type of coaching that you find yourself in. When you start giving guidance, when you start giving direction, and somebody starts giving you feedback, you're about to get the gold. That's the real problem. See, I could teach the skills, but unless that person was confident, it didn't matter that they had the skill. They couldn't use it well. And oftentimes, because we just want to be listened to, you'll listen to me because of my position, because I'm the coach, because I'm in charge. You miss out on the feedback, and you actually don't help that person solve the problem. Can I, can I just give a, a little warning here? I, you can think of a time this happens in your workplace, but I want to tell you, I think we do this with our kids at times too. Yeah, there's moments where they have to do what you have to say, but there's also times as they're giving you feedback, you're now getting to the bottom of it. Like that thing that they're complaining about. That's the real issue. And simply saying you're going to do it this way misses out on an opportunity for you to step into the real problem and help them mature with that. Help them see a bigger picture on that. And because we didn't listen, we missed it. So even after, even after you spent all that time listening, and it's your turn, it's your turn to talk it's your turn to give some advice. It's your turn to say something. If you stop listening, you'll probably miss some of the most important things that you need to know. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two, I showed a, this clip to some of the staff and a few people thought, ah, I think this person's just joking around. Let's see what you think. Let me. I want to make sure you guys remember what our goals are when we step on this field. Jackson with an X. What's one of our goals when we step on this field? Uh, to, to do your best game. Okay, not even close. Uh, Blaine with a Y. Blaine's not here. Blaine, did you get over that bloody nose you got? Okay, good. What's one of our goals when we step on this field? We try, we try, we do our best and try, and try to win. Look, I like the second half. Nate, you got another one? Rylan, you don't have any other goals. Aiden? Okay, negative Ghost Rider. All right. Did we learn anything this season? Yes. Our goal, our goals, no, not even close. Our goals are, listen, listen. Our goals are to hit dingers. Everybody better have their eyes on me. Eyes on me, Rylan. Hit dingers. Disgrace the pitcher's family, make the other families, other players cry, and stomp their butts into the ground. Does everyone understand that? Does everybody understand that? Look, fellas, look, look, look. There are two types of people in this world. There's two types of people in this world. There's winners 
and, and there's losers. And just so that we're clear, every time we step on this field, our goal is to be a winner. And if your dad has said, oh, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, just as long as you have fun, well, I hate to say it, your dad's a loser. I don't think he's joking, right? You might not think you're gonna have opportunities to coach, but I'm telling you right now, they're gonna come across your life in so many different ways, and here's what I would tell you. When you get to teach, make sure what you're teaching is true. When you, get, when you get to actually share something of value to somebody else, make sure it's right. What I've seen over and over again is that people share their own baggage. They use this as the, as the, the bar. It was fine for me. Oh, good, you survived. I guess that makes it okay, right? So you can just teach the same thing. But they're not you. And the question is, what's right? What's right? Yeah, I, I, uh, I coached uh, the first year, and we won four games and lost 22. And the girls were happy. It was the most games they had ever won. I was not happy. I was fairly miserable. It was one of the worst experiences I've had. And I concluded, I'm the problem. So uh, that summer, I spent 1000 bucks, and I flew out to Washington State and I went to a volleyball camp where there were coaches from big league college teams and there were coaches who helped the men's and women's Olympics teams. And I sat in front of those people and I said, what don't I know? It turned out I didn't know anything, right? But here's, here's what you do. You coach what you know. You do what you, you do what you do because that's the best that you have. But here's the thing. If you're going to give out wisdom to somebody, wouldn't it make sense that you would put yourself in a place to receive wisdom? If you understand how valuable this thing that you're about to share to somebody else is, why wouldn't you stay connected to God? Why wouldn't you pray about the words that you would say? Why wouldn't you find a way to make sure it's not just your baggage, but it's true? Because you have the potential to shape how that person thinks and acts because you're, you're pouring into their life right then. Did you hear those little kids laugh at that? I didn't think that was funny, but I would understand why they were, we're gonna stomp their butts. <laughs> he said butt, right? Maybe that was it. But he missed, he missed how important his words were at that time and how he was shaping you have opportunities in each other's lives. Why would you not put yourself before God on a continual basis when you're in that position to coach so that you make sure that your words are things that would honor God instead of just things that you think? I would make sure that what I said was right. The third clip it's of an older son and a dad. The dad has been fired several times. Um, he's a minor league coach. And he's in this position, and it turns out he coached his kids the same way. 
And they're gonna show a clip from him early in the show where he talks about how he thought about his kids. And this is towards the end of the show. And um, I, I want you to see how this unfolds. Check this out. Dash, who do you have with you? This is my son, uh, Kyle. And I'm so glad he's here because he is a young coach himself. And I'm glad he's getting a chance to experience this. This is great for him. And this is Penny. Uh, my girlfriend, who I love very, very much. How's that to see your dad? Typical. That beats him, does it again. I think my kids will tell you that I was tough on them. I really didn't care if they liked me or not, as long as they respected me. This is something I've seen my whole life, you know? It's just little things become explosive to the point where we've almost been in fistfights. It was fear-based, you know? You, you, you were scared to fail. And, and, and it, it goes back to that old-school mentality. I, I was raised by an old-school father. He, he was raised by an old-school father. I mean, it's something that's been passed down the line. Cash, what's going on in your head listening to what he's saying? The reason he respected me wasn't respect, it was fear. And that's just not a way to have a relationship with anybody. I needed to hear that. Thank you for being honest with me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for treating you like that. I love you with all my heart. You, I'm so proud of you. You're the best son a guy could have. And I love you with all my heart. And I'm sorry. I have learned so much here about how this comes from generation to generation. I hope it stops right here. What he said... Uh, at the end of that clip, he could not have said when the show started. He was proud of the way he acted. And the light kind of went off, and he said it. He said it beautifully. I want to make sure you catch it. Fear is not respect. It's not respect. But a lot of the times, the way we operate with people, sometimes who work for us, sometimes even in our own families, is we really don't care if they respect us as long as they fear us. The problem with fear is that somebody will do what you've said, but if you've passed on a truth and it's really valuable and it's important, but they're just doing it out of fear, it doesn't become their own. It doesn't become something that changes their life. They just do it when they're around you because they're afraid of you. Coaching works when you have a relationship when they actually know you care and there's something there that they see as valuable. We, we've lost our ability at times to have the relationship which is the foundation for all the rest of the stuff. They don't care what's true if they're afraid of you. They don't care and why should they? And, and this is the whole kind of stuff that kicks up in us. This is sometimes why, I think, the big reason, where there's conflict in families at times because often the dad, not always, often the dad is comfortable with the kids just being afraid as long as they do what he says. And I just wanna, I just wanna suggest to you that you're missing out on all the opportunities you have to shape that person because they don't actually respect you and from a position of respect, your ability to coach is tremendous. You could change their life, mark them forever. In case you're wondering if that's possible, 
I asked uh, somebody on staff, Mitchell, he's our new youth group guy, if he had anybody ever coached him before. And he said, yeah, somebody came to mind quickly. Asked him to tell his story, and here it is. So when I was in junior high, I was in a pretty dark place. I uh, didn't really like myself. Um, I was really self-conscious about everything, didn't have any friends, um, or at least didn't feel like I had any friends. Um, and when I was at youth group, uh, the, we, had, we got a new youth pastor, and he came alongside me and really just started pouring into me. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I didn't really know him, he didn't know me, but he saw a need there. Um, and he sat there and listened, and he was, he was there when I needed somebody to talk to and vent to. And then he decided that, that he saw some potential in me, and so got me plugged in to the youth group and kind of in a leadership role. Um, saw where I could grow and where I could fit in and how I could really, really thrive and flourish there and, and really poured into me and helped develop me in that way. Um, he realized that um, he did have some truth that he could speak into me. There were things that he could say that were, that were going to help and that were going to make a difference in my life. Uh, and they did. Um, to this day, I consider him the most influential person in my life other than my family because of that, uh, just knowing that, that he was there and willing to listen and would call or text a couple times a week just to see how I was doing, um, knowing that he cared enough to, to really pour his time and energy into me made, made a huge difference. Did you hear what he said? He said, to this day, this, poor, this person remains one of the most influential people in my life beside my family. That's the kind of opportunity we're talking about. When it comes to you coaching somebody else, you finding a way to encourage them to have some stamina, to not, to not lose hope, so that they can carry on and be great, so they can love and do good deeds and honor God with their life. You get to do that. How you go about doing that is everything if you decide to stick with tough love, you might have people who fear you and do what you say, but you're not going to have the ability to leave a mark on their life that changes them and sticks with them forever, not a positive one. So here's what we're going to do. I, I want to pray for you, but as I do, I'm going to ask that God bring somebody to mind. Like you'll see their face. And you'll go, this is a person I could be coaching right now. I could come alongside them, encourage them. I could, I could speak some words into their life in a way that as they give feedback, I listen. I could tell them what's true and do it kindly. Like I could, I could build into this relationship to make this work. And I hope that as that person comes to mind, you'll have the courage to step into that relationship over the next few weeks and start to be a positive influence that helps that person to stay calm and carry on. Let me pray with you. God, we love you. At the core of this is a desire to be the church with each other to not let each other kind of flail and try to figure out life on our own, but to be available. And sometimes part of being available is speaking into each other's lives. God, I ask that we would understand the value that has, the potential that has to leave 
a a never-ending mark in a positive way that shapes the life of somebody. So God, I ask that as we consider who we might do this with, maybe it's somebody at home, maybe it's a person at work, maybe it's a friend that we have, God, I ask that your spirit would be active in the room, that you would place a picture in the mind of people and say, hey, this is the person I really want you to go encourage. I want you to find a way to coach them. I want you to find a way to listen to them, to tell them what's true, to have a relationship and to build them up so that they can have stamina. God, as that picture comes to mind, I ask that you would would give us the courage to step towards it and to be the church that's called out to spur one another on. God, we love you. May that love show up in the way that we incite one another towards love and good deeds. In Jesus' name, amen.